Hello, everyone. This is More Math for More People podcast, and it is June 15th, 2021. This is episode four. Cheers. Hello, I'm Joel. And I'm Misty. And this is More Math for More People, brought to you by CPM Educational Program. This podcast supports middle and high school teachers with best practices, relevant research, helpful hints and tips, and anything else that randomly comes to our minds. We hope you find this podcast both entertaining and informative for your math teaching practice. So what day is it today? What day is it today, Joel? June 15th okay. is National Bug Busting Day. National Bug Busting Day. So does that, what does that mean? Is that like about some technology thing? Getting rid of bugs in your code? <laughs> it is not. Oh. It is uh, encouraging families to check their kids for nits. Ew. And a, a, yep. And there's actually three bug busting days per year. So there's January there's, 31st. What? June 15th and October 31st. October 31st? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I, I Those feet seem intentional somehow, but I'm not sure why. I'm not sure either. October Ooh, 31st what, is Does Halloween. any other holiday get three days out of the year? Mm-mm. Well, I don't know the answer to that, to oh, be okay. honest. It's <laughs> an interesting trivia question for our listener, listeners to go find out and report right. back, right? That's right. Find out, people. Are there more than three days of any other thing? Report back in the comments. I don't know. I love it. So check your kids for nits. You can't easily spot head lice. Hmm. Um, The eggs. So what they do is you comb uh, your wet hair with a special comb. And I don't know if you ever had to do this, but when I was a kid, my mom would take me down in the basement. We had the special comb. We had the special little shampoo or oil or something. Mm -hmm. And she'd just go through and check. And it was usually because somebody in the school had lice. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, I remember like being warned about lice, like I should never use any other kids' brushes or combs, and I should never uh, wear their hats, of course. And, I, and I'm reading here also, the ancient Egyptian lice was kind of the first dated lice, which was <laughs> um, the bugs were mummified with their hosts. Wow. And so when archaeologists, they found the mummies. And they found little mummified lice? Yeah. I, and I, so okay, so when I think of mummified lice, I think of these little tiny bugs like wrapped up in wrapped up little in little pods. yeah, like little white <laughs> wrappings. And then, you know, like when the old movies with the mummies and they'd have their hands out like whoa and like walking. There'd be tiny little lice doing that. That's kinda with weird a little gross. tiny piece of fabric hanging yeah, off exactly. like they do. Mm-hmm. They some of some of the mummies they found as many as four hundred. Four hundred at a time. Ew. Mm-hmm. But it looks like in the 1800s, they had the frontier lice. The so frontier lice? Between Were they 000- in like little covered wagons? <laughs> <laughs> Pioneer lice? The frontier, yes. And it's uh, because of the cramped and unsanitary living conditions of mm. the time that Americans had to fight off lice. Mm. And they, they had the lice combs back then, even <laughs> in the 1800s. The archaeologists have, you know, collected all of this information about how lice have evolved with us. It's very lovely. 
I could see this being a whole kind of a cartoon, but informational cartoon of the history of lice. And mm. it would go through the mummy lice character. It would go through the wagon character. Yeah, little wagons and, you know, covered wagons on the Oregon Trail, right? With the lice get cholera. That's what always happens in the Oregon Trail game, right? Everyone dies of cholera. So we were going to try to do a silent debate on this topic. I think, wouldn't this be a fun topic to do a silent debate? Perhaps. So so first let's describe what a silent debate is, right? Silent debate is one of the study team and teaching strategies that you can use in your classroom. And in a silent debate, you've got your, you've got two people. So one's the pro and one is the con for whatever the debate is about. Does the con usually start first or the pro, do you think? Probably in like a real debate, like, one side goes first. I've never did debate in high school, wow. so I don't know. So anyway, so one side's going to go first. So they have the piece of paper and pencil or pen, whatever, and they give them a statement to debate about. So like in a math classroom, um, we might do something like what would be an ex- example we could do in the math classroom? In a math classroom, you could perhaps uh, have the topic of the graph of a quadratic always crosses the x-axis. Mm, okay. And so then one side would be the pro debating that that's true. And then one yep. side would be the con debating that that's not true. And so the pro, let's just say the pro side starts. They would write a statement or something. They'd write some, something in support of an argument or whatever in support of that statement. And then they would pass the paper to the con side who would read it and respond and back and forth, back and forth, um, until the time runs out. That's right. So, and you can, I mean, you can do things like around math concepts, like you just suggested, Joel. Um, I think it's also a, a good place for, again, for kids to be able to like voice opinions about things like grades are a good measure of what I know, mm, right. Or something like one. that, which is, would be interesting to have kids think about like, what is, is that true or not? And what they think. Well, we've used it a lot in our professional development. Yes, we do. I remember I used to give people always the team tests are a valid form of assessment was when I gave people a lot. Whenever we talked about, and then they would have that discussion. Cause they, I mean, I think there are, there are arguments for both sides, right? It's yeah. not a very clear um, idea necessarily one way or the other. So if we're going to do a silent debate about national bug busting day or about lice, I guess, mm-hmm. or maybe we could have a silent debate about there should be three national bug busting days in the year. So that's the pro. That's, that's, well, that's just the statement, right? The pro is going to support that statement. The con is going to uh, make arguments against that statement. So if we're going to do this silent debate on a podcast, it's going to be a little bit strange, right? Mm -hmm. You be the con and you start and you'll write down a statement and then I'll read it because you'll show it to me on a video and then I'll write my statement. And then because no one can see them, then maybe we'll read our statements out loud. We wouldn't have done that in the classroom part, but that'll be the modification, right? Modification for podcast. Okay. All right. So this, the, the, the debate is about there should be three national bug busting days each year. You are the con. Is that what I said? Yes. Okay. You are the con. So go ahead and write your statement now. Okay, so Joel, thank you for showing me your statement. I'm going to write my pro statement uh, now. 
so now, <clears throat> since no one could see our statements, but so we'll pretend we did, you know, in the classroom, we could do that for several minutes and go back and forth. And you would just keep going back and forth until you call time. It could be two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you want. 10 minutes might be excessive. So, uh, so Joel, let's go ahead and share out our statements now. So Joel, what was your con statement to there being three national bug busting days each year? Uh, my con against having three bug busting days per year is that there should actually be five bug busting holidays per year. Awesome. Okay. So then my pro statement in response to that is that there should be three, uh, and only three because I don't want to think about lice that much. End. Okay. <laughs> that was great. That was great. I, we, we have to, th we have to be pretty creative sometimes to think about how to do these, uh, state team teaching strategies in a, in a audio fo format. So very true. Thanks for playing along with us and go check your kids for knits. Apparently it's book busting day. So today we're talking with Mark Cote, uh, and he has worked for CPM for quite some time. Mark, when did you start working for CPM? Uh, we adopted in, uh, in the Issaquah School District in uh, 2003, uh, and I believe that was the summer I attended my first uh, SLI, Summer, summer Leadership Institute. So technically, that would be the start date, almost 20 years ago. Nice. And uh, I know you've done a lot of things for CPM, and I'll ask you to explain those a little, just to give us a synopsis of that in a moment. But sure. one of the things that I wanted to uh, mention is that you were one of my first teacher leaders. You did uh, the workshops for me, the summer in implementation workshops at the time uh, for Geometry Connections. And I think it was like in 2005 or six. So that would have been pretty soon after you had started uh, for CPM. So that's yes. Cool. And uh, as I recall, you were one of the outstanding participants in that <laughs> that cohort. <laughs> oh, there must have been only two people there. Thanks, so. <laughs> oh, no. There were quite a few. There were quite a few. Uh, so just give us a brief summary of some of the other things you've done for CPM. Well, I had only started work as a teacher leader for just about a year, maybe a year and a half. And the next thing I know, I get a phone call from uh, the director at the time, uh, who was Brian Hoey. And he says, well, now you're ready to become a regional coordinator. <laughs> and I just started laughing like, do you know who you're talking to? What? 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 So yeah, within a couple of years, um, I took over as regional coordinator for um, Washington, a little bit of Oregon, uh, and occasionally part of Idaho, but uh, we had uh, some some really good growth years there. I think we went from three school districts in Washington State up to about 25 uh, over the next number of years. So I continued on with that. During that time, CPM decided to start their next uh, set of textbook series, uh, which became known as Core Connections. I was invited to participate. Actually, it wasn't Core Connections. Uh, it was Connections before that. Uh, I was invited, uh, after I submitted some uh, samples of uh, problems, I was invited to join the writing teams. And so over the next year, number of years, I got a chance to um, work with uh, the connections and the making connections writing teams. And then I think I even had something to do with core connections when it came along. But in any case, that was a you know wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Just around the fourth or fifth year of doing that, I was 
uh, invited to join the board. So I sat on the board of directors for a couple of years for CPM. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah. That. Yeah. Which was uh, really, uh, you know, as Tom Slee always said, now you know how the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> so are you sure you really want to hang around anymore? And I'm like, oh, no, of course, Tom, that's great. And just about the time that it was, you know, I was thinking, okay, I'm at year 33 in my teaching career. CPM was very interested in launching this new program that uh, at that time was just labeled a research project, uh, which would then later become the Teaching Redesign Corps, which was our first name, and then gradually the Teacher Research Corps. And that was 2014. And then um, Tom Slee, one of our founders, CPM, and Brian Hoey, who was the director at the time, pulled me aside in one of our regional coordinators meetings and said, um, are you ready to step out of the classroom? We have a task we'd like you to take on here. And they explained to me what they wanted me to do. And once again, I started laughing. I said, are you sure, sure you pulled the right person aside here? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and they said, uh, don't worry, uh, you'll do just fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I'll go home and make arrangements. And then uh, I guess now I'm switching gears and going to work for CPM full time. So that was uh, seven years ago, of course. And here we are today, along with the, the Teacher Research Corps. Um, my current role is project manager, and I try to support you know, the executive committee and our goals and objectives for CPM as much as I can, almost anywhere anyone needs me. So whether it's, you know, working with uh, Elizabeth and the team the, that runs the administration or helping out with professional learning or helping out with the writing team, whatever, you know, variety of different tasks, but primarily, you know, the, the first task and the one I still spend most of the time on is the teacher research corps. That's a lot. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that teacher research core really is and a little bit more about how it actually evolved? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, almost from the get-go with CPM, you know, CPM's had a, just a wonderful belief that the, the knowledge uh, that we all gain about instruction and curriculum, you know, comes from experienced classroom teachers. Teachers provide us with a lot of wisdom to make CPM happen. And, you know, it's, it's a, you know, curriculum and a professional learning organization and an entire company built on by teachers. When TRC was first envisioned by, I believe, Tom Salee, and it was early on that he thought, oh, you know, one day when we get big enough and we have the budget for it, I would really love to have our teachers do some research on our program, S sort of apply themselves to a uh, continuous improvement cycle and help us always, you know, be on the cutting edge with regard to how we design our textbooks, uh, the you know kinds of material we include, and then how we provide the professional learning services for teachers. Like I said, right around 2014, apparently all the stars aligned. There was enough money in the budget, and the you know piece of the pie was dedicated to launching uh, this research project that asked classroom teachers who are using CPM materials to join in the effort and become really um, you know participants in practitioner inquiry, investigating their own practices and sharing ideas and information with other members of the TRC putting proposals together and actually spending an entire year doing those investigations and coming up with results and sharing those results within the organization and uh, outside of the organization. So 
really, it's it's kind of Tom's, Tom Salee. It was his brainchild. And I know Judy, he probably discussed a lot with Judy Kish. And Judy is still very, of course, very active today with TRC. You know, we, we kind of just threw something out there to see what would happen and gave it our best our, our best first step. And fortunately, that first step was good enough because we're, we're still going today. So, so if, if describe sort of the like annual process sure. or like, you know, if I were a teacher and I were in the TRC, what would my experience, what could I expect? The, it's, it's not as intensive as working on a master's thesis or a dissertation. So, you know, we realized that classroom teachers are very, very busy. So, you know, we structured it for basically a one-year length of time for participation. The teachers submit an application, and we go go for go through a fairly informal interview process. Um, just make sure that once they know what's entailed, um, then is it is it going to happen uh, for them? And you know, teachers. They get very ambitious. Sometimes, you know, they're the volleyball coach and they're leading the student government and <laughs> they have 10 other things they're doing for school. And they also want to be a teacher researcher for CPM. So we try to help, you know, everybody decide, okay, this is how much time I can commit. And so really there's there's actually only three days of in-person work that we do all together, uh, which is our institute to get all the projects and ideas that people would like to research launched. And then each month, our teams, which are usually anywhere between two and five or six, six is kind of the the, the top end we want to go with a with a research team, meeting to te- with the team to discuss, you know, how's the research going on the particular topic that they're interested in. And then once again, each month we meet with the leadership of TRC and we find out how it's going, uh, offer uh, resources, ideas to support the investigations, hear about the data that's being collected, offer uh, guidance if there are some hurdles they're trying to navigate. And we work our way for the first few months. We get to the mid-year, kind of do a mid-year checkpoint with a little uh, written summary and uh, you know some discussion, continue on month by month with those uh, those meetings, and then culminate the year with a, um, a written summary of all that they've learned, all that they've done. The key ingredient uh, in this whole process are the reflections the teachers keep. So, you know, each week as it goes by, they take 10, 15 minutes, a couple times a week to reflect on what kinds of innovations are they trying in the classroom and what have they noticed? What what did they do? What are the students doing in response to that? And uh, t- the teachers will add anecdotal information. They'll take pictures. They'll collect data, um, share student work. We have lots of nice video and other kinds of technologically enhanced artifacts coming in now because of the way technology is working these days. So, But that's the key ingredient that we we kind of base everything we do off of as we go through the year. And then if all goes well, you know, which typically it has in the last seven years, we're able to complete that final written summary and, in a number of cases, uh, move to wider audiences. We have teacher researchers who have written articles for the CPM newsletter. We have many, many presentations at the CPM teacher conference, uh, annual teacher conference. We've had uh, presentations at uh, NCTM, NCSM, and one actually at AERA, the American Educational Research Association, which was great, which is you know wonderful mm-hmm. to have happen. So, yeah, we've we've reached 
you know, beyond what we had originally hoped. What Tom thought was that was, you know, that we're going to help improve CPM, but by sharing the ideas with uh, the broader educational uh, educational community out there in the math Mm -hmm. world. So, where can people go to find more information about those research questions that teachers have investigated and those reflections? Yep. Uh, so we have our own blog site. It's pretty, the uh, URL is pretty simple. It's imath, uh, I-M-A-T-H, like iPad, dot U-S for United States. So imath.us. And here you'll see, I think we're up to 70 posts of all the updates on um, the areas of investigation that teachers have been working on. They're, they're not the summaries. Uh, they are basically all work in progress. So they're kind of telling you, oh, you know, here, here's the news from the classroom with regard to growth mindset or goal setting or whatever the, the topic is they happen to be interested in. But uh, you can, you know, just looking through a few of those, you can get a good feel for, you know, the kinds of things the teachers are working on and areas of interest that they have. And it's pretty broad. I mean, there's, it covers a lot of ground. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I know we, Joel and I are taking a look at uh, the blog and, and we're going to try to have a couple, a uh, few of the TRC teachers come on and have a conversation with us about, about their research oh, great. Um, in some of the upcoming episodes. Excellent. If someone were interested in TRC, what, what would they, what would they need to do? I think the application has already passed for 2021. Yeah, is that correct? Uh, yeah. We're, we're actually going through the interview process right now and finalizing, you know, uh, getting ready for our uh, institute that we hold each summer. So for the following academic year, which would be uh, 2022, 2023. <laughs> since, <laughs> Seems like a million years. I know, I know. Which, not. You know, since this is 2021, 2022. <laughs> Uh, if, if a person is, it would be interested in 2022, 2023, um, we'd be delighted to have them apply. The easiest uh, thing to do is go to the CPM webpage. So, you know, www.cpm.org. And if you do the forward slash and then TRC for Teacher Research Corps, it takes you right to our, our piece of the CPM webpage. And you'll find all the current information, contact information, um, any updates, plus also um, in January of 2022, the uh, application link will be live. And so anybody interested then could apply and we'll you know basically have that open for a couple of months. So then in the spring of 2022, uh, we would contact all the people who applied and do the same thing we're doing right now, set up interview process and go over all the details and see if they're, you know, we're, we're still interested at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we will make a mental note to remind listeners before that. For more information and to stay connected with CPM happenings, you can find CPM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our intro music is one of the very talented contributions that you can find on pixabay.com. Thank you, Julius H., for your creation. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? June 29th is going to be a hug holiday. We're going to celebrate hugs. And how long has it been since we've been hugging and getting together? And so it'll be so fun to reminisce about our favorite hugs. I know in my family, uh, when we're 
about to go on a trip. We always have a trip hug. So everybody, 